This episode of the Rap IQ Podcast is brought to you by Avery Dennison Automotive Window Films. The way we see our world is often on the move. Avery Dennison Automotive Window Tint Films can buy performance and protection all in one. Even better, the installation couldn't be simpler. Avery Dennison Automotive Window Films have remarkable heat shrink properties for easy applications. These color-stable films won't fade to purple and are developed with an acrylic hard coat that enables scratch-free installation and time-saving maintenance. Your shop can choose from a variety of visible light transmission levels to give vehicles a custom appearance. Avery Dennison Automotive Window Films can improve passenger comfort while protecting vehicle interiors. Harmful UV rays are blocked and distracting glare is reduced, and all Avery Dennison Automotive Window Films come with a lifetime warranty. Grow your business by offering your customers the shades to see their world safely with automotive window tint films from Avery Dennison. To learn more, visit graphics.averydennison.com forward slash AWF. What is up, guys? I'm John Duber. This is the Rap IQ Podcast. Sitting with my good friend, Blake Madsen. Blake, how are you today? Hello, John Duber. I'm doing well. Hello, Blake Madsen. Old BM. Old, old BM's BM. in the house. How's old BM? I, oh, all right. I'm getting uh, a little tired, man. <laughs> oh, it was, oh, all right. It was another one of those weeks where I was kind of working this weekend and then just did a bunch of yard work the rest of the day today. I feel like you're in that, I feel like you're in that transition period of like where you're almost to your breaking point. You got a few more weeks of this hard stuff and then it's going to start, it'll turn over. It's like when your business grows and you're like in a good profit versus, versus workload space. And then you go way up with workload and your profits like still there, but you're like, you know, there's going to be a breakout here. And I think you're, I think you're close to that breakout. That's right. Yeah, it, it was definitely, it's planned. Right. Because it goes against everything I believe in. You know, I don't want to be the weekend warrior just working nonstop. That's not my plan. Right. So it's it's a strategic move and it, it's not forever. And I am almost done. That's good. That's good. Yeah. I don't want to I don't see you dragging ass. Can't be dragging ass. No, no. I mean, can't be dragging ass. You got to be happy. You got to be you got to be you got to be ready, ready to hey, don't go thinking I'm not happy. I'm still happy. I'm just tired. I don't know. I called you today and I could tell that you were not happy. <laughs> no, just tired. <laughs> you did not Very smile tired. before you answered the phone. There's no doubt that you you did not smile before you answered the phone. You just no assume doubt. that a lot. You don't know that as a fact. When you answer the phone and you go, oh, like that tells me that you're not answering the phone. Hey, man, what's up? Like you got to answer it like Jim Miller answered the phone. Hey, man. Hey. Hey, man. But you can tell he's always smiling before he answers the phone. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm it's, saying. Look, it's like this. It's like, hey, what's up? That could have <laughs> yeah, been a that, smile. That's like, you don't know. Hey, fuck you. That's basically <laughs> you you being like, hey, didn't want to answer the phone. Don't want to talk to you, but I did. Well, that's basically you've you pointed said. this out many times, and I've I've been working on it. Sometimes I get it good, right? I've nailed Sometimes. it a few times. So, you've been impressed. You know, I'm going to be honest with you. I think it's either really low or really high. You that happy medium of like just <laughs> yeah. like. Hey, John, what's going on? It's like, oh, you're faking it now, motherfucker. Like, that's not even fair. 
Like, well, you're missing the point. I'm just giving you what you want. <laughs> High energy. Thanks. I do appreciate that. Blake, we got a we got a special guest with us today. Oh, for real? Yeah. Yeah, he's right there. I can see him. I can well, see him. Let's introduce this person. Renato Pinto. Renato, how are you, sir? I'm good. Good. I'm good. How are you guys? I'm excited. Awesome. We're happy to have you on the show. Renato is one of the one of the like the initial first people that like left us voicemails. He continually supports the show. Good dude, solid dude, good input. So we're happy to have him. We're going to have him. Uh, he's not just a, like a one-time guest. This is going to be like a guest host from time to time. It's going to be awesome. We're happy to uh, to get this first one out of the way. How are you today? I'm good. I'm excited. I've been looking forward to this all weekend once we started talking about it. I was kind of nervous, you know, but we're here. We're doing it. You know what's going to happen is you're going to fuck up, and so are we, and then we're just going to play the episode anyway. <laughs> that's pretty much yeah. what happens every week <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're, we're just gonna roll with it bro so yeah. just be prepared it's working that, so bro. far so renato i think it's cool that you're as far as i know you're the only person that has like a title the founding listener like that's pretty yeah, the OG. like you're the og yeah it's true and i feel like i i push pressure whenever i called in and i called myself that so i gave myself the founding listener name but yeah but it's true <laughs> you know Somebody's got to do it. Yeah, dude. All right. So when Blake and I started the podcast, like we we still don't know, really know what we're doing. But when we first started, we're like, dude, let's do let's do like a, how are they going to get a hold of us? You know, like let's do a hotline, <laughs> like the Rap IQ podcast hotline. That'll work. <laughs> and then it was like we like announced it, and there wasn't a lot of people that called in at first, and it was just like, fuck, we are. This is the dumbest thing ever. This is such a dumb idea. And then we started getting, we started, you called in and then we would play it. And then other people would hear it and then call in. And it was just like, oh my God, it's Renato. Renato did this. He he started the, the wave of people like actually participating in the show. And it was so like, dude, like yeah, we've talked about it a lot, but it's like starting the podcast has been, it, it was hard. It was, it was, it was just like, we kind of just like threw a Hail Mary and said, Hey, let's go. And and having support from people like you and 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 others that call into the to the hotline is dude, it's awesome. It's it's just awesome. So your 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 input has been extremely helpful. On top of that, it's been like intelligent input as well. Like it's very it's very nice to have someone that calls in and actually like is in the industry and is working every single day or most days in the industry. And 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 let's talk about that. Like, so tell us a little bit about yourself. Where do you live? What do you do? How long have you been doing it? Let's talk there. So, I mean, I guess I'm currently living, we're, we're, as of now, we're living in Pittsburgh, Kansas. Um, I, the wife and I actually just moved here. Um, but I've been working, the company's called CDL Electric. I've been here for almost five years. Um, I am uh, what you call the graphics manager. So I mainly oversee all the uh, graphics that come in for our commercial work. Um, that being said, depending on on jobs that come in, on their scope, um, I'll oversee those projects, kind of manage them. Um, if there's a big enough um, like vinyl graphic install, like car wraps or something like that, um, I'll take I'll take lead on that. Like we have something like that coming up this week with four vehicles that we got to wrap. We're just going to be doing one at a time, but that's kind of that's kind of what I do. Um, I went to school, got my bachelor's in graphic communications. So I have that computer background. So I do a lot of 
I'm not, I'll be completely honest. I'm not that great of a designer, but I, I am good at the whole pre-flighting of graphics. So somebody can bring me something. I'm, I'm the one cutting it up to make sure it prints the way it's supposed to. So the installer, which half the time it's myself is easier for them. I think that's one of the most crucial things about being an installer and in your position, what you're doing. Um, first off, where the fuck is Pittsburgh, Kansas? It's uh, in the middle of nowhere. It's if you know where Joplin is at, which is also another small town. Um, Joplin, Missouri. Joplin, yeah. Missouri. So you're mm-hmm. like on the border of Kansas and Missouri, then. Yeah, like pretty much. If it. I draw, yeah. if I throw a rock hard enough, I'll hit. I'll hit Missouri. Okay. All so. right. I was going to say because Joplin's not that far, or from the Joplin's not that far from the border anyway. But yeah, no, it's right there. It's that that southeast corner. So. All right, so back to what I was what I was going to say before I my ADD kicked in there. Um, being an being a um, an installer that understands how a good job is run through a system, and your outlook on it of okay, well, I'm going to manage this job, but I know the end. You know, the end of it is always the installation, right? So, how important is it to for you to from design, you have design, but yeah, not design background, but you have design input, you have production input, you have installation input. Like, how important are each step to the next step? So, how important is design to production and printing? How important is printing to, you know, installation, et cetera, et cetera? From your, so point. I mean, it's 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 crucial. Um, it's super important. Like to me, it's a lot of communication between each person at every stage. Um, depending on, like I said, some people do multiple things in that process. Um, it's just a matter of talking to them. Like for me, it's usually like I'll grab one of the installers. I'm like, Hey man, this is what we're going to put up. Um, what are you thinking? How would you like me to package these graphics for you to install? Uh, I'll give him my input. Cause I usually help out with those installs. Um, and then he'll be like, well, I kind of might be easier if I do this. And so we'll just kind of play to play and go from there. And then once we get more experience, they have an idea of what they want to do. Um, then design wise, we'll talk to somebody be like, Hey, this car is red. Can we please, for the love of God, include some bread in the graphics so that maybe we don't have to wrap the door handles. Don't have to wrap the mirrors, stuff like that. It's just, it'll save us a lot of time and we really don't have to charge them that much different. Well, so, just that in itself, the production team, the production team talking with the installers, like that makes such a huge difference for everybody really. And, and quality control, just the amount of mistakes that go down when everyone's in, you know, a nice groove with each other in communication. Like there's nothing more frustrating than being the installer and in the back and you just get handed random stuff that, you know, would have been just a simple conversation like you're having with the installer and back. Hey, how do you want this set up? But it could turn into like a massive time waster for the people in back. So just that one little thing alone is so, so huge. And it's awesome that you have a, a more complete understanding of the whole process, not just one piece or the other, you know, you're seeing, Definitely. Be, seeing the big picture on that. Yeah. And, and don't get me wrong. It's, it's not a perfect system because more often than not, we'll, we'll put something together and we'll talk about it. We'll send it to print and then we're in product, we're in install port and in the install portion and the guy would be like, you know what would have been nice? 
and I'm over here like, well, we we can't reprint it. So yeah. you got to work with this. Where were you four days ago, man? Yeah, right. <laughs> Where was this idea whenever we first talked about it? Like, yeah, do you, I know. Do you keep right. track of those things though? Like when when that comes up, where where it is, where an installer will say, "Hey, you know, I didn't I didn't think about this, but now that I'm installing this graphic, and I remember talking about the project, and you guys had communication to us, and we wanted to do the best that we could do, but I missed this point." Do you go back and put that on your Trello card or whatever, however you organize your business? Do you go back and keep track of those things? Like for next time, you know? Yeah, for next time, exactly. For the next transit you do or for the next Ford F-150, you know, long bed you do. Do you do you actually go back and keep track of those things? Because I, I feel like I see that people let that kind of go by the wayside, kind of like, oh, well, it's already printed. It's already designed. It's already getting installed. Like, wash my hands of it. You know, it is what it is. But I think personally that it's, extremely important to go back through and keep track of those things because you don't know what you don't know until you're actually like, you know, immersed in the project. And when, as an installer, you get immersed into a project that you had input in and you miss something like swallow your pride and say, Hey, I missed this. Do you guys, do you guys do that? Or, or how do you, how do you go about that? Yeah, no, we definitely, we try to, you try to keep track of it. Sometimes some stuff is, I want to say it's kind of small, We'll make notes here and there, um, but it, we definitely don't do a good enough job of doing that. We certainly use Trello, and we'll put notes as much as we can in there um, just so that people can see it. Um, but no, I mean, I, I'd like to – I would probably say that since I'm usually the one handling most of that, I'd be like, okay, I'll make a mental note. Um, but it would certainly help for me to put it on paper or put it in the Trello card or keep it in a certain board to where I can go back to and – address it on a next project that has a similar spec to it. How important is Trello uh, to your business? No, oh, it's, it's massive. That's, I mean, like we talked about in the past, whenever Trello was, was down, I mean, I felt like there was a fire in the building. Cause we it's were like, scary, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is. Yeah. It is scary. It is. So yeah. obviously, I mean, we, we got it figured out, but it was, we try, we don't use it as, as well as we should. We're working on it. We occasionally do some things where like I'll put info in there or somebody else will put info in there, but I'll still come talk to them or they'll come talk to me. And we usually say a lot of like, did you check Trello? They're like, uh, let me go check real quick. Let me, I'll come right back. And then we'll just do stuff like that. But it's, we're just trying to build that habit of like, first check Trello, make sure everything that's supposed to be in there is in there. And then if you can't find it, um, certainly get a hold of me or you can message people on Trello so it links to their email and then you'll instantly get a message and they go from there. So we, we were trying to be more centrified around Trello just because it just, it works, you know, it works for us. It works, man. It, it, it works. does. But like you said, that part right there, just getting everyone in the habit of using it can be the hardest part at first to get it to catch on is just creating that habit. And we do the same thing. If it's, if that information is in the card where it's supposed to be, and somebody comes up and asks the question, we can't answer it. We tell them it's in the card. You're going to have to check there. That's exactly right. That is a valid point. I, I like. So, did you track Trello? Yes or no? I did check Trello, but I it, the input the uh, the information wasn't on there. So it's a, it's a multi step process of like when you adopt Trello into your organization, everybody has to put their the, the the correct information on the damn Trello card. If the info is not on there, 
and everybody in the organization does not have the buy-in. And I don't care if there's two people or 20 or 40 or 80, it doesn't matter. You have to put the input in there, the, the information in there. And if you're not, it falls, it literally crumbles beneath you. Like if you don't have the buy-in, you don't have the people doing the correct information, putting the correct information on the cards, it will crumble. It'll crumble. And then when it crumbles, what happens is you fall back to these, these old habits that you've had that have, have quote unquote worked because it got you to the point you're at before you started with Trello. And the, the work gets out of the building. Does the work get out? Yes. The answer is yes. Is it organized? No. Is it, is it, some, is it recorded? No. Is there any accountability? No. And that's what Trello does for, for, for businesses. Trello needs to sponsor this show. I'm just telling you. Like, I, I love Trello. Trello has completely changed our, our, our business from start to finish. But it's not just adopting Trello. It's training people on Trello. It's holding people accountable to, to putting the correct information on the Trello cards. And then it's doing exactly what you guys do. And, and I do as well. Did you look on the Trello card? Don't well, just as a, as, a, as a manager answer the question and say, yeah, here's the answer. No, no. Go back to the Trello card. It's on there. I got other stuff to do. Hey, I love Trello too. And they are not sponsoring the show, though that would be awesome if they did. But it's not even so much Trello. I think some people uh, get hung up on the fact that that's just the one that we use, you know, that we found has worked the best. But there's other options out there. The key isn't necessarily Trello. That's our vehicle. The key is just organization. It's recording everything you're doing. It's having a way to access it for next time. It's just yeah. getting all your ducks in a row. That's what it comes down to. I agree with you. No, certainly. Like I said, we're working on doing more of that type of stuff with our other group of installers because we have the vinyl people who are production and install. And then we have the different group that they install the bigger signs, you know, like the pole signs, neon signs, LEDs, um, flex faces, all this stuff like that. And, and that's a different breed of people. You tell those guys Trello and they're like, what's that? You know, like they can barely use their cell phone. So you, we, we're, we're not working on incorporating that. But there's going to be more of a learning curve for them, so it's just, just a matter of being patient. Are they still working out from paper work orders? Yeah, yeah, and uh, it's. I mean, it, I don't. Okay. Want, I mean, it works. Yeah. Could it be more efficient? Certainly. It could always be more efficient, even if you're an expert on Trello and your business is completely paperless and run 100% on Trello or paperless. It can always be more efficient. So just because you have a paper work order doesn't mean that like you're like. <laughs> You're the bad kid in the room. You know what I mean? I forced paper work orders on my organization until fucking until COVID, until 2020. My brother and my sister, my part, my business partners were pushing to go paperless. And I was like, fuck no. Like, there's no way. Where am I going to put these, you know, these Polaroid pictures of this car that someone dropped off? Like, what am I going to do with this stuff? Like, where am I going to put this, this, this PDF, like all this, all this stuff. Like I have to have the, the, the job jacket, you know, I have to have that. And then COVID hit and, you know, you freaked the fuck out because it was COVID. And in the early stages of COVID, it was fucking, it was freaky. So we didn't want anything going inter- compartment, you know, from design to production. And we used to physically move the work order from design to production and from production to install and from install to, you know, billing. So if someone had got sick, it would go to each department and it would literally shut our business down. So we went paperless. 
and ever dude it 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 we didn't even miss a beat let's say we might have missed f- two hours two hours total of quality production and quality getting jobs through the system going paperless because of Trello it was a last it was a last part of our business that we didn't that was that was not paperless and when you're forced to do something you just make it happen because everyone in my company was freaked out just like everyone else was uh during that time. And that, I think that's one of the best things that's happened because of COVID. A lot of good things happened, but like that was one of the best is we went completely paperless. Like we have essentially no papers that go with anything in our business. I love that. It's I great, isn't it? <laughs> but at the same time, the people that are still using a paperwork order, not just where you work, Renato, n- not just that, at anyone, it's, it's sort of like, like I think about my, uh, you know, like, like a blankie, it's sort of like that little comfort thing. Your little, <laughs> it's like your stuffed animal, you know, it's like that thing that like you can always hold on to and you just feel like, man, that's, that's, that's it for me. You know, for, for Blake, it's, it's, his Legos. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's- but it's the one thing that like makes you comfortable. You know, you know, for a fact, you can go back to that work order. You can, you can physically write something on the work order uh, if there's a, uh, you know, a color sample, you can put it in the job sleeve, like whatever it is. It's kind of, it's one of those things where it's just like a comfort, it's a comfort thing. And it's very uncomfortable to think that I'm not going to have that physical, that physical thing. And, and if you are using a physical work order, I highly recommend that you get some sort of an organizational tool like Trello and, and you go paperless. Like I can't stress that enough. Shit works. No, certainly. You, know, you could do a whole episode on it, but you know, yeah, John, when you used episodes. to. Uh, when you used to preach to me about Trello before I was using it and before I had seen it in action at your shop, the thing I struggled with was like, okay, what do installers do in the back? They're not sitting at a computer, right? The designers are at the computer, but installers, you're kind of, you're out in the bay and you, I picture that physical work order in my hand, right? Cause it's got that design proof on the backside. And I, I couldn't get over that. Like, what do we do? Just run to the computer all the time to look at the picture? Well, no. Once I went to your shop, I saw the answer. And, and it's actually really, really clever what you guys have done with it. Yeah. But that's the well, iPads. What, what Everyone gets their iPad. own iPad in the back. Everyone. On, go ahead. And that, no, that's it. And I just thought it was, it was slick because I kept thinking computer sta- station. Like, I need to go to it. Well, No. Those iPads, the screen's plenty big enough for the installer to look at the diagram. You can zoom in and shit. Like, it's slick. Um, but yeah, it, that was that was extremely important for us. Um, but then you have internet outages, you have power outages, you have things where Trello goes down or it's slow or whatever. So we then we started printing out the actual layouts on <laughs> in the wraps. Mm-hmm. Like there's there's always a twelve by eighteen square. Somewhere in, in, in the print surface, somewhere you can nest the actual layout. And that's what we started doing as well. Um, because we always like the, it, this is the, you have to understand that it's always evolving. Everything is always evolving. Okay. We ran into a problem where Trello was slow. We ran into a problem where, where someone hit the internet line and, you know, with a, with a trencher and, and we lost our internet for two days. Well, I can't get on Trello to look at the layout, I can't get on the, you know, area 51, whatever our drive is called the art drive to, to look at our layouts. So how do we, 
how do we how do we do that? Well, then every single job we just put the put the put the work order or put the layout in the actual print. You have to work backwards. And I think one of the biggest things about shop organization and Trello and 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 you have to understand that that things happen in your business that don't go right. And a lot of the times people fucking they, they get embarrassed. It's like, it's like, you know, Renato, like you're, you're a manager, right? Like you're, you you know, are, are you in, like, you're in charge of a lot of different jobs, correct? Like, and things that go on with your shop, someone like you, for example, you don't want to look weak. You don't want to admit the fact that you didn't have it figured out before you got, before you ran into this problem. Someone in your position could completely swallow their pride and, and say, you know what, I messed up. I'm sorry. I didn't know. And this is how we're going to fix it moving forward. Or they can sweep it under the rug and, and try to cover their own ass. And then it just, it, and then the next time it happens, it's worse. And the next time it happens, it's worse. And these little steps are being worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. People need to understand that it's ever evolving. Business is ever evolving. Organization is ever evolving. And every single time you see a mistake or you see some sort of inefficiency, and that's what it is. A mistake is just simply an inefficiency. And you see an inefficiency, and then you begin to dissect that inefficiency down to the root cause of why it happened. And then you fix that root cause, and all of a sudden it doesn't happen again. Or when it does happen, it's way down the line, and you fix these things. People don't get that. People don't understand because they want to swallow their pride. They want to look good to their boss. Well, at the end of the day, looking good to your boss is admitting your failure or your fault and then providing a solution to that problem. Provide a solution to that problem and your boss will love you forever. Forever. And and sometimes that's, you know what, sir, ma'am, I fucked up. I I didn't I didn't catch this. I should have. I didn't. But here's what the, here's the plan moving forward. This is how how we're going to we're going to solve the problem moving forward. I think yeah, that's certainly, crazy. and I think yeah, like I I just think of there's so many facets to that. Like first off, people should be more open to admitting fault. You know, just like taking ownership. Like I mean, you've probably read the book like Extreme Ownership. Just take ownership over stuff, oh, yeah. and people will respect you. Um, but then it's not just that; it's building a culture where people will accept responsibility over of their fuck-ups you don't want it to be like i don't want to say anything because they're going to yell at me or they're going to get super upset and just things like that i was like we're all adults just tell me when you fucked up we'll figure out how to fix it and we go from there just don't make it a habit and then you have companies where it's just like i don't want to say anything hopefully they don't find out because i don't want to get in trouble that's culture man that's a culture thing if you have an organization and you feel like you, if you fuck up, if, if, if someone fucks up, I mean, there's, I'm, there's so many things going through my head of like examples of this. Someone doesn't put the, 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 the bleed correctly in a wrap. Someone fucks up an install. The, 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 the print color is printed in CMYK instead of RGB and it ends up being wrong. It's there. I mean, there's a hundred there. I mean, there's a million different things that could go wrong. If you are, are human interaction is real in our industry. We, this is a skilled trade. We're talking about vehicle wrapping, right? We're talking about sign making. We're talking about, uh, you know, manufacturing of signs, welding, 
backlit, doing electrical work. Like there's so many different aspects that go into what we do. There are so many things that can be fucking wrong. There are so many things that can go wrong. And if you mess up something and you are not in a company that you are comfortable enough to approach your manager, approach your boss and say, I messed up. I messed up. And the reason that you can't do that is because that person's going to yell at you. They're going to be demeaning to you. They're going to make you feel small. They're going to belittle you. They're going to do anything but provide questions to help you critically think to provide a solution so it doesn't happen again. I think that you should sit down and talk, take your boss to lunch and say, Hey, let's talk, man. Like I'm, I'm going to fuck up. Like I am going to fuck up. I'm sorry. I'm a human. I'm going to fuck up. And I want to be able to approach you as, as a grown up and say, Hey, I messed up. And I don't want to get, I don't want to get yelled at for it. You know, like let's, let's work together to figure the problem out. Culture is so important in companies, dude. It's so important. Well, and that example right there is like one of the biggest things for new people coming in is like that fear of screwing up, you know, like I think that's probably like the number one thing that new hires worry about. And if we can do this, like, I think that that attitude of don't hide it, you know, don't sweep it under the rug. Let's, you know, fix the problem. Let's attack it. That starts at the top. If they see us doing that when we screw up, that hey, it, it's not uh, it's not the end of the world. We're just gonna look at the problem and we're gonna figure it out. If we can show that and do that, I think that kind of opens the door for them to not be so worried about that. You know the the perceived repercussions of screwing up. The perceived repercussions of screwing up will make or break your fucking culture. Like I, I've, I say this to every single person that comes into my organization. I've, I've said this numerous times and it is not a joke. If someone starts in my business, I expect them to make $10,000 worth of mistakes, 10 grand. And like, that's not a lot when you like looking at the volume that we put out and looking at the jobs that we do, you know, we're not what you guys do doing these big signs and these manufacturers, all these things, the 10 G's is really not that much, right? Yeah, those are big <laughs> like jobs. At the end of the day, I mean, that could be, that could be, that could be somebody manufacturing and and producing and welding an aluminum frame on a sign that should have been 12 by 10, as opposed to 11 by 15. You know what I mean? With the price of everything going up and the labor and and all of that stuff, like 10 grand is not that much, but I feel like 10 grand, I feel like that, like gives people this comfort blanket of like, you know what? I'm going to fuck up. But it's not the fuck up that that like makes or breaks those people. It's it's how us as leaders and 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 you know owners or bosses or or, or managers or whatever or entrepreneurs like Renato, you're an entrepreneur. Let's touch on that. Let's that not let's not touch on that. Let's go on a deep fucking dive on that here in a second. <laughs> but it's how we manage that. It's how we deal with those situations. It's how. The, the leadership team, the upper management deals with those things. And there is a time and a place to bust someone's ass. If someone is blatantly, they do something completely wrong outside of the process, outside of the books, it's it's just wrong. Like, it's fucking wrong. Like You fucked up. Like it's just because you got called out because you fucked up because you actually fucked up doesn't mean that I'm being an asshole. What I'm doing is holding you accountable to our processes and our books and making sure that you know exactly what the hell should be happening. 
That's not being me being an asshole. I'd be more of an asshole if I didn't hold you accountable or if I didn't hold you accountable. I'd be more of an asshole if I didn't. Holding keep people accountable is not you being an asshole. You'd be doing a disservice to people if you're not holding them accountable. It's how you hold them accountable. Well, I think a big part too is intent. You know, part of what you just said was they went against the system or, you know, it could be a situation they're being lazy. It was like an intentional thing, right? If they were doing something that they thought was the right thing, like you've covered, can't get mad at that, right? And you don't. It's when people, how, uh, they cut corners. How many times have you rules. gotten mad, though? How many times have you gotten mad? How many times have you gotten mad? Because somebody fucked up and you thought maybe they were being lazy or maybe they were doing something wrong. Not that they were intentionally trying to screw you, but they were a little bit shy here or a little shortcoming there. And in your mind, it equated to, gosh, darn it. If they would have done this or this or this or this or this, it would have worked out. And and you didn't voice those things, and then and then it it, it culminates. It, it stacks. It stacks up. Like you're emotional. Like as a as a leader, as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, as an entrepreneur, it stacks up. Your emotions stack up if you don't communicate these things. And then you think someone, you know, oh, they fucked up again. They fucked up again. Well, when they fucked up last time, you didn't say anything, and you didn't provide a solution to why they fucked up. So when they fucked up again, in your head. You had it figured out on how to fix them, but you didn't communicate to them. So, so then it just makes it 10 times worse. You know what I'm saying? I've met, I've let myself get emotional over a lot of things over the years. And a lot of that comes down to actually communicating with the person saying, Hey, listen, this, this, this was bad. This, this cost us $5,643. And here's the breakdown of that. Here's the material. Here's the labor. Here's the overhead. This is what it is. This is the projected going back and forth labor of with the client to just to continually smooth this over. And this is the, this is the number. Here's what we're going to do to fix it moving forward. Next time something happens at this stage, here's the steps. If it passes that and it goes to this stage, here's the steps. I think it's communication. I think people really, really, really they deviate from that because they allow their emotions to get to, to come into play. I well, really and having those that. conversations, that's hard to do sometimes, especially when you're worked up about it. I mean, if I'm worked up, I will not make a critical decision. I do. I run on fucking level nine of emotion. I'm an emotional dude, like an emotional dude. I was at my kid's ball game the other day and he like hit this fucking like double like I wanted to cry. Like I'm, I'm so proud, you know, but if someone fucks up in my office, like I, I'm like, I'm not going to lie. Like I get upset. You know what I mean? So if I initially make the, make the, make the contact and I'm, I, I run high on emotion. I I'm going to fuck up. I'm going to say something that's wrong. I'm going to cross a line. I'm going to have that person look down to me culture wise or whatever. Like I can't like emotions, emotions of, fucking monster it can be really good but it can also be really really bad and you have to keep track of it the thing i've been thinking about with the uh emotions lately is it's it's like thoughts where we have lots of thoughts that come in but we don't act on all of them you know we don't give them all the same weight and the same power we recognize that okay not all my thoughts are good thoughts some of them suck 
So I'm kind of applying that to emotions too. When, when I'm in that situation where I'm all worked up and the emotions are high, like that doesn't necessarily mean it's real. It doesn't have to be a hundred percent valid. Right. And like you're saying, that's when it's like, okay, I need to get away from this emotional place before I start actually addressing whatever this is. Cause I don't know yet if these emotions are, uh, are even valid really. Maybe I'm worked up yeah. and it's, it's bullshit. No, and that's that's certainly the case for, I mean, just life in general. I mean, obviously it applies to work, but usually when you're riding high on emotions, you're going to say some shit that you might not even mean. So you're arguing with your wife or whoever it might be, you might want to just cool off and address it the next morning or whatever. You know, we've we've gotten arguments. I'm sure you guys have. You guys, you've been married longer than I have, John. It's just like. <laughs> My mentality ten, used to be I did 10 years this year to the most beautiful and great woman in the entire fucking galaxy. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to, I'm going to play, I'm gonna play her that I'm going to play her that, that, that 10 seconds right there. <laughs> <laughs> so now no, this for, year is our, we've been together 19 years and this is our 10 year anniversary. So yeah, it's badass, dude. Yeah, no, that's awesome. But yeah, for us, I think we're coming up on six years. Um, but no, it, my mentality used to be like, Hey, we we got we got to get this figure out now. We can't go to bed. We need to we need to get the answer. But now I just like I said, you read enough books or you learn about stuff, and you're like, hey, this this can wait till tomorrow. Let's we don't need to argue about this now. Sleep on it and go from there. Did you guys grow up in in a family that communicated well? Did you grow up where where if you were sad, you could talk about it? If you were mad, you could talk about it? If 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 you saw your parents arguing, they would explain to you like what happened? Like, was there good communication in, in my world there, there, I don't think there was dude. I'm not a good communicator. Like I just, I, I have never been a good communicator and through, through the help of my wife, dude, like communication, everything, like literally everything that happens in my life right now with my kids, with my businesses, with my friends, with my with everything, communication is so crucial, and it's taken me a very long time to actually like put down my guard and and understand that even when you're being vulnerable to communicate, it will help you so much more. Like the uncomfortability you feel to communicate some some very sensitive subjects helps you so much that that it's 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 worthwhile to take that kick in the nuts per se of, of how it makes you feel to, to actually communicate because it, 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 it like catapults you so far, so, so much faster than just like, than holding it in. But I didn't get that when I was, when I was young, I didn't get that. I never, I never really had that. My wife taught me that my, and, and I'm just curious, like I did like simple, simple conversation. I'm just very curious on how you guys, how you guys learn communication, what works, what doesn't work. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's, I definitely didn't grow up with that, you know, like don't get me wrong. I love my parents, but it was a lot of, I mean, for me, I grew up in Peru. I moved to the U S when I was like 10 years old. And like I said, I don't know how much different it is, um, in the country, country wise, but it was a lot of like, Hey, you're, you're a boy, you're a man, you, you suck it up, you move on. You don't need to express how you're feeling. Just, just move on. And you kind of just yeah, keep dude. that all contained and eventually you're going to blow up. You know? I think and that's the same. Just, like go, I don't want to cut you off, but like, really like, Back when I was raised, and Blake, you're probably the same, and I'm raising my kids the same plus communication, but you cowboy up, you get the fuck back on the horse, and you get out there, and you and you go. You get knocked mm-hmm. down, 
that's fine. You dry your fucking your tears up with some dirt and you you get out there and you and you and you go. And and that's how I was raised, man. There was nothing that could stop you. Like you are a you are a man, you are a strong person. And not just being a man, like my, my sister, for example, like is a badass motherfucker, dude. Like my sister's a badass motherfucker and she's got the same mentality, like cowboy up, get back on it. But with that being said, it was, that was whether it's Peru or whether it's fucking Australia, it doesn't matter. Like, I think that I think like in my point of view, having kids and raising my sons to be tough, I can't even tell you how many times I've told my kids cowboy up, like that to me, like, so hillbilly Midwesternist Midwesterner, that means like brush it off, get back on the horse. Like you got kicked off. You're on, you're on, you're, you're, you know, whatever you got kicked off your horse. You, 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 you brush the dirt off, you dry your blood up, you get the fuck back on the horse, you cowboy up. And that was something my mom told me when I was really young. And, and, and that was just one of those things she was communicating like, dude, fuck you get up. I don't, yeah, there's blood. My dad used to always say, is there, is there a bone poking through the skin? That's what he would say. Is there a bone poking through the skin? <laughs> That's like, like no. the, the line. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'd be like, no. He's like, well, cowboy, yeah. I'll get back on that. Let's go. Just imagine. It's like, there better be. He's like, huh? <laughs> I'll give you something to cry about. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that I heard exactly. for sure. <laughs> Blake, what about you, man? How was your oh. communication growing up? Oh, not good. <laughs> right? Well, and, and here's how I Dude, know. We it, have too. to be the change here, man. We have to fucking do this. And anyone listening, like, you got to be the fucking change, dude. Like, you got to understand like the uncomfortable conversations like fuck well like like goosebumps man you know you point out i don't have kids right so a lot of these these instances i started recognizing honestly when i started hanging out with you and your family and i would see the way that you interact with your kids or some of the things that you show them and teach them and just the little lessons you know the little things here and there and those like really stood out to me, especially at first, because it was like, holy shit, like I never heard that my entire life. Like I'm a grown ass adult and I've never been taught that simple, simple stuff. You know, you look someone in the eye when you shake their hand like that, like jumped out to me, you know, and it's you talk about communication. It's a ton of stuff like that. I see you like communicating with the kids like, hey. Let's talk about what just happened. You know, don't just get angry and rage quit. Like, well, work bro, it was because I was I, like, if I fucked up, it was like, you fucked up. Like, like, yeah. <laughs> get your ass, put your nose in the corner. Like, you do what you need. to. You know what I mean? It wasn't we didn't get communicated with. You know what I mean? And I'm telling you, it's 100 percent due to my wife. 100 percent. Like, she taught me what the word empathy meant. She taught me how to talk to back and forth without getting emotional. And, and it, dude, that changed my shit because how I would raise my kids. If like, if, if my wife had not taught me what I know today up to this point and what, what oh my God, like I look like I, I get excited about what she's going to teach me moving forward. Cause she's just so fucking great. If I, my kids would be like fucking Lord of the Flies, shit, dude. Yeah. 
<laughs> like, I mean, just savages, just fucking savages. Because well, there's already a good a good percentage of that in there as it is. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's no, like chaos they're, they're sometimes. Gonna be, they're gonna be just fine if 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 shit hits the fan and we're fucked and there's like nothing, like there's no grocery stores or nothing. Like my boys are good. <laughs> like, they'll be carving spears and fucking. I can see his cowboy boots said. and his sharp <laughs> stick. <laughs> Uh, I love it. But anyway, back to the, back to the point. I mean, communication is so important. And I think that like us as individuals really have to take a look and, and take a step back and really think about what is working inside your organizations, what is working at your workplace. A lot of it comes down to, to communication, to organization. And, and if you look at, I, I'm a big proponent for, for don't look at the surface level. An installer, an installer makes a mistake, right? A designer makes a mistake on layers not being blended together correctly, whatever it may be. Uh, production doesn't put overlaps on a print, whatever it is. That's that. Those are surface level um, examples. You never take anything for surface level. It has to. You have to look at it and divulge and dissect it down each level. Until you find the root cause. And once you find the root cause, then you build the system based off that root cause. And then you make the changes based off that root cause. And as a manager, as an, uh, an entrepreneur like, like Renato is, as you know, a director of operations, uh, uh, whatever it may be, your job is to communicate that root cause to the powers that be, the powers that be meaning the designers, the production manager, the installer, whatever. And then you build, you, you reverse engineer that back to success. You reverse engineer that back. You say, okay, well, the problem was this. So we need, we need education here, 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 and here. And these people are going to have these classes and here's the classes. And this is what it's going to cost. And you take it to your fucking financer, your, your financial department. You say, okay, this is going to be three, 3,500 bucks worth of education. That's going to, that's going to fix this problem. It it costs us fifty five hundred dollars. We're gonna have fifty. We're gonna have thirty five hundred dollars of education to fix the problem, so it never happens again. It's gonna. That's what is it? Nine grand. This mistake costs us nine grand, but it will never happen again. You're under the ten thousand dollar fucking <laughs> mark, okay? And that's where I live. That's where I live right there. That's 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 how that's that's really how I run my business. And I think if you come all the way back to when we first talked about. If you set a limit, even if you are a business that cannot afford $10,000, if someone said, you write me a check right now for 10 grand or your house is going to blow up, whatever it may be, and you don't have 10 grand to fucking to, to, to write, it's that, that is, it doesn't even matter because as you scale your business and has you, as you do things, if you give people that comfortable feeling that they can fuck up and cost the company $10,000. It gives them that little bit of comfort blanket that you need nowadays in society to understand that like, it's going to be okay. If I fuck up, you communicate to them. It's going to be okay. They make mistakes and you don't ream the piss out of them. Then comes back to the, the communication part. You don't ream the piss out of them for, for, for messing up and you just make it work. Dude, it works in a lot. Like it's just like this big circle and it works so well. Works so freaking well. I want people to mess up and come back and talk to me and say, hey, man, I, I totally messed this up. And here's how I can. They're not afraid to come and talk to me. But at the same time, I mess this up. 
as an installer, for example. I messed this install up, so I got on the Rap Society and I looked at this video. So I just want you to know that I'm going to show this video to the rest of the installers because this this is the solution to the problem and it's not going to happen again. Well, fucking right, dude. Like that's awesome. Yeah, well, that's that's exactly my thought on it. It's like I've talked to my boss about it. It's like, hey, if you mess something up, obviously that sucks, but don't just come at me with the problem. You need to come at me with a possible solution. A suggested you know? solution, exactly. How important is that? Let's talk about that because that's like that's a policy in our business. You don't you don't bring a problem to the table without bringing a suggested solution. And the suggested solution is not necessarily the solution. It could just be a suggested solution. This is how I think we can solve the problem, but then that's the seed that's planted that's that sprouts this tree of like of of okay, well we could fix it here, we could fix it here, we could fix it here, we could go this route, we could do this and this and this. A suggested solution. The reason that we do a suggested solution, we don't say the solution is because if you put the pressure on somebody that makes the mistake to give you the solution to the problem, they clearly made the mistake because they didn't have the education to not make the mistake. You understand what I'm saying? So if you tell them it's a suggested solution, the suggested part of that gives them that 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 leeway, that comfortable balance of like, okay, well, I think we could solve it like this, but that may not be the answer. And they don't even have to tell you that it's the, it may not be the answer. What they did is give you a suggested solution that could that could lead to the answer. And it may be fucking completely irrelevant and they could be off base and it doesn't work at all. But at least they're not just pointing out a picture. Because if they are a problem, because if they only point out a problem, what they're doing is bitching. Yeah, and anyone that's can all do they're that. doing. That's easy. Anyone <laughs> can bitch. Anyone can bitch. And I challenge every single person that's listening to this. If you have a crew of one person or twenty people or a hundred people, it doesn't matter. Have some sort of culture, some sort of line of lines of communication that state. If there is a problem, point it out, but you cannot point it out without bringing a suggested solution to the table. Because that's crucial. That's been crucial for us. Crucial. Well, it's good. It forces everyone to think about it. You know, not just, like you said, not just bitch about it, but hey, think about it a little bit. Because as it turns out, like solving a lot of these problems isn't always super easy. No, it's not at all. It's not at all, but I had, I had, uh, I had a really good point to make there and my brain just went, Sorry. how good was it? Sorry, I mean, I did my opinion. It was fucking, it was the point to make. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just roll with it. Like it was. <laughs> yeah. Right on. Hell yeah, brother. <laughs> what, what, what is one of the biggest things that you deal with inside your organization, Renato, that, uh, that that that's the, what's the biggest challenge that you deal with? Uh, biggest challenge. I mean, it really depends. Like I said, we're big enough. Um, just like obviously, we're we're a sign division. There's multiple other divisions within the company that I work at, but we our crew is twenty plus people. You know, half are vinyl people, half are um, sign installers. Um, so it's tough to kind of get everybody on the same page to make sure they know that. We're a team, you know, they're not just employees that come in and out. I mean, we've dealt with just our what we call just a revolving door of people. They start, they quit, or they get fired. And it's just like we never have them long enough to 
kind of turn them into the employee we want them to be or the team member we want them to be. And along with that, it just communication, you know, just making sure we're, we're doing the job that we're supposed to be doing. Um, but I mean, we're, I think when I think of like from the vinyl side of it, like we're, we do raps, but it's, it's not our main thing. If, if, if I describe what would be like our core competency, kind of like you've mentioned it before, it's usually a lot of commercial installs, but for me, I enjoy doing raps. Like if, if I could do just raps up, we would do that. Um, and that's kind of what I've been pushing a lot lately where like, even now, I mean, in the next couple of months, we have some wall graphics. We have like four wraps that we're doing for the university here in town that are going to be going to turn out pretty cool here. Once we're done with them, um, we're going to be doing a boat for a, a customer who's being sponsored. And then we're just going to wrap his boat. And what kind of boat, big like boat, that. small boat, bass boat. What do you got? Uh, it's a jam. 20 footer. I love, I love boats, dude. I love boats. It's a, it's a I, twenty boats footer. Are such good money. Such good money. If you get if you get a, if the installation process down and the design works correctly. Oh my god! I would do boats all day, every day, all day, every day. Upsell. Here's like, what you do. Anyone that's selling boats. Here's my input on boats. Make the design work. Use overlays that are above the rub rail. Rub rail. I'm talking about bass boats. Use overlays where applicable of above the rub rail. Upsell a ceramic coating upsell the trailer being wrapped if you can and upsell carpet graphics huge upsells you can wrap the the power poles you can wrap the the windshields oh my god i love boats so much i, they, yeah. I to me it's, it's just such easy money because i've wrapped so many boats so like i can do it basically with my eyes closed i really enjoy boats I really enjoy. I really like the challenging boats that are like you have to line up this impossible design. It's like, well, fuck you, designer. <laughs> but as like a, a, an egotistical <laughs> installer, I'm like, all right, let's go. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing for us. Like that would be we haven't done it. I literally just surveyed it Friday, and we've never done a boat. You know, um, but like I said, it, what like is you said, it? It, it, what kind of boat? Let's talk. About, let's talk about it right the fuck now. Like, what what kind of a boat is it? I'll tell you exactly so, how to dominate it. So I, I do know it's a, it's a 20 footer. Um, it's a fishing boat. Like they're using it for a competition. Um, so it's so whatever it, those it, kind do of, you know boat. what, it, if it's a ranger or a skeeter or a nitro, or do you know what it is? Uh, I'd have to find the picture for it, but yeah, it, you don't I do to, know it. like it's, it's pretty flat. Um, so I know it's not going to be anything crazy. I just, we got a, we haven't designed it or anything. It's going to be through a sporting goods company. Um, and they're like, it's a kind of a client that he uses and he's like, Hey, I'll pay for the wrap if we can wrap your boat and he's going to pay for all their stuff. So like, yeah, just wrap it with whatever you want if you're going to pay for it. So that's, that's kind of what's going on. That's, so that's exactly kind of best happens. case scenario. The best, so like, think, listen, the, 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 the most important part of a boat wrap is where the wrap meets the bottom of the side where it can, where it transitions from the side to the bottom. That's the most important part. And I use three M and he's a promoter on like a half inch or an inch on that line. And then I cheat the wrap up about a quarter inch on the side of the boat. And that doesn't matter if it's a 50 foot fountain or it's a 20 foot skeeter. It does not matter. I do the exact, the exact same every single time because you have to think when the water hits that shine, where it leads from the bottom of the boat to the side of the boat, it, it's like a power washer. You got to think these bass boats, some bass boats were 90 miles an hour. I don't know if you've ever been 90 miles an hour on a fucking boat, but that is insanely fast. And when you're hitting wakes, it's like a power washer trying to blow that wrap off. 
So you just got to be super careful. And then I go back through with uh, with 3M uh, edge seal, liquid edge seal, and I edge seal the whole bottom. And I, uh, dude, it works. It works good. It's the only so way. You'd, you'd rather do that liquid than the, what is it, the over laminate tape instead? Doesn't work. Doesn't work. Okay, that's good to know because that was probably <laughs> what I was going to do. So. I'm gonna I'm gonna get a call on the hotline. I guarantee you. People are like, oh fuck you, John. You're wrong. No, I'm, I've tried everything. I almost gave up on wrapping boats because I had I had every boat for five years that I wrapped. They failed in one way or another. They were failing, and I just developed our own way. I didn't. Our team did with my input as well. But our my team developed this 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 solution to the problem, and then it works. Period. That's a professional fisherman. Do you think that dude gives like real talk? Do you think he cares if if he's got to get back into a cove and 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 bump up against a log or a dock or something and it's going to scrape the bottom of the wrap? Do you think he cares about that wrap if he's fishing for a hundred thousand dollar fish? No, he does not. not fuck at all. no, he doesn't. It's not no, he does not. It's fuck no, he doesn't. He doesn't. He does not care at all about that rap. So you have to, as a, as a, as an installer, you have to go above and beyond what you think it's adhesive promoter. Oh my God. I can't believe you're using primer. What, what's the biggest part that gets ruined on a boat? It's the bottom edge of the wrap where it's, where it meets the body line. That's where, that's where you hit a log. That's where you hit a beer can at 70 miles an hour. You hit a beer can at 70 miles an hour. It does serious damage to a boat. Serious damage to a boat wrap in particular. So you have to you have to go above and beyond. I love boat wraps. God, I fucking love boat wraps. See <laughs> beer cans laying around everywhere, and you wonder why I don't like going out on boats. <laughs> Dude lives in the land of ten thousand lakes and doesn't even <laughs> own a fucking boat. did not even oh own a jet ski. What the fuck is wrong with this? Nope. Guy? <laughs> fuck is wrong with this guy? I just like the ground. It's reliable. Weird. Like I gotta, if I can stand up and like fall over and land in water, dude, I'm the happiest dude in the world. It doesn't matter if it's a pool or a lake or a boat or a river. And no matter which one of those it is, the water tastes like shit. (laughs) I mean, yeah, you're definitely not supposed to drink it. That's that's probably why he he eats lakes. Yeah, no shit. Yeah, this don't taste very good. eh? Weirdest, weirdest thing ever. So Midwest, there's tons of signage companies. Like so the signage is very large, like specifically in like, you know, Nebraska, Colorado, um, Missouri, Illinois, any of the, any of the plain states. Signage is huge. And I find it very difficult to upsell and or educate clients from the signage side of it to getting a vehicle wrap or to getting a partial wrap or anything like that. Do you, have you run into that and, and uh, and how do you how do you deal with that? Because I think I think it's a Midwest yeah. thing, to be honest with you. No, it really is. It, it is tough to sell them. Um, I don't know if it's like a lot of those towns in in this area. They're all so small. They're like, I don't need that. It's it's all word of mouth. You know, they'll 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 know how to find me. They'll know where I'm at. Um, but it, it really is just about like, hey, we'll sell you this sign for your storefront. Um, I can bundle it with this car wrap. Um, what do you think? And they're like, that's going to be too much money. And I'm like, well, what's your budget? You know, we can, we can certainly figure something out. Um, but it is one of those things like it, it, it is hard to sell. Um, obviously it's helped out in the past couple of months, just getting 3M 
preferred and Avery certified and all those things. Like you just get exposure out there. And that's literally the reason why I got that job at Pittsburgh state is like, Hey, I saw you're Avery certified. Let's talk about these wraps, you know? So that stuff definitely helps, but it's, it's a lot of work. And a lot of the companies that are already doing it, it's, they've been doing it for so long that it's just a matter of kind of taking business from them. Um, in a way, the, the rap companies have been doing it so long, or the signage companies have been doing it so long, or the 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 end user has been getting signage so long. Or like, what would d- explain that a little bit further? I, so I'm, a lot I'm of- seriously curious because we don't do signage, and I have people that reach out to me on a regular basis. I have clients of mine, my my consulting clients that that struggle with the fact that these people, it's small town USA out here. Like it's plain States, dude, it's fucking small town USA. And they're used to a magnet and, you know, signage on the front of their building. They, and it's very difficult to upsell them to any sort of digital printing, any sort of wraps or banners or anything. And it's like, yo, like wake up. Like to me, it's so obvious. Like it's so obvious. It, you get X amount of unique impressions per day, but at the same time, it's like, well, why aren't these people biting? Like what, why, what is going on here? Yeah. I think for us it's like, obviously we're in Pittsburgh, Kansas. And if I feel like there's people out there that are like, Hey, let's time to get a, our vehicle wrapped. They usually go to Joplin, you know, which is about 30 minutes away. And that's where, that's where most of those wrap shops are at. And I mean, like I said, that area has been, they have at least three or four shops that are, I mean, they, like I, I'm familiar with those people, you know, and I know they, they do plenty of work and it's just a matter of like, I don't want to say there's not enough to go around. That's not the right mentality to have. Um, it's just a matter of finding the people that need that kind of work done. Like they go to Joplin, they can go to Kansas city. They just don't know that there's somebody here in Pittsburgh, Kansas that can also wrap your car and do just as good of a job, if not better. Yeah. I, th- I, I think it's a huge challenge, man. It's huge. Like small town USA. It's always a challenge. Always, always a challenge to like, because they look at the price of like two grand, $2,500, $3,000, whatever it may be for a, for a vehicle wrap. And they don't, they don't look at it as, well, it's three grand spread over a five-year warranty period and you get X amount of views per day. And that equates to X amount of views per year, which equates to X amount of views per the warranty period. And they don't understand that. And I think it's a hard sell and it's stubborn Midwesterners. Well, and I think a lot of it too just comes down to, unfortunately, companies feeling the pressure to keep up with the Joneses once they see their competition start rocking the full wraps and they still have white vans with door decals. Like, I think that kind of hits them and they realize, okay, I, you know, this is a huge difference between me and the competition. And I think that's what's kind of keeps ramping the commercial wraps up is just keeping up with everyone else because it's becoming the norm. And then you talk small town, it just, you know, they're just behind a few years. It takes a little, a little more time to catch up, but I think just it's doing that all on its own just because full wraps are becoming the norm slowly by, but surely, you know, I I think that partial wraps are, are, are grossly overlooked though. I think the visual appeal and the, the visual impact of a partial wrap can, can, if it's done correctly, can rival any full wrap. If the colors are right, if the composure is right, if the design is correct, I think a partial wrap, because you got to understand when people are getting into the wrap world, if you're a client, not if you're, if you're wrapping, if you're a client and you're getting into the wrap world, like 3,500 bucks might be way too much, like way too fucking much. 
So what if they had a budget of two grand? Like, what can you do for two grand? Well, you can clearly do a partial wrap for two grand. Clearly. So if you do the partial right with the right colors and the right design and the right composition and the right contrast of everything, you can make a massive visual impact. And I think that's one of the things where it comes down to the sales aspect where people, you know, in these small towns, they need to understand that like, just because someone doesn't want a full wrap doesn't mean they don't want a wrap. They don't, they just don't know that if your budget is a thousand dollars, the full wraps, three grand, $3,500, whatever it is in your market and your budget's only a grand, like I'll make something work for you. I will make something work for you for a thousand bucks. Let's figure it out. You know what I mean? And I think that people, they, they throw the talent too, too quickly where it's, I don't, I don't want to do business with this person because they can't afford a full wrap. Well, well, you're a fucking idiot. Like they have a thousand dollar budget or $1,500 budget. You can do a partial wrap for them. You can do something that's visually appealing and you can, you have to understand partial wraps sold to clients lead to full wraps. You do a partial wrap for them. They get input. They get a positive response from it. They're going to up their budget from 1500 to 2000 next time. And then when they do that, it's going to increase the revenue, which allows them to up their budget from 2000 to 3000 And then all of a sudden, two or three years from now, they're hitting their fucking mark of the full wraps that you initially wanted in the first place. People never play the long game, ever. It's always the get it done now and let's make the sale right now. That has nothing to do with it. It's the long game that you play. The long game is so important. Well, just no, like true. It makes sense. Sorry, go ahead, Renato. No, what, what I was thinking of is, I mean, just like I said, I was thinking of partial wraps being like the gateway drug, if you will, to, to full wraps. Um, like we, we do, we do a lot of partial wraps and it's just a matter of discussing it with those clients. Like, we just have somebody that reached out to get a bid. They're like, hey, we got these two brand new Chevy Equinoxes, two brand new F-150s. We want to get more graphics on them. You know, like you just kind of try to upsell them from there. I think of it like if you have a, like a, let's talk about examples of how you can upsell. You have a client that comes in, they're got a pickup truck. You do a tailgate wrap or door and, and door logos. Always, always, always upsell the tailgate wrap. Always, because when you're, and here's how you do it. When you're sitting in traffic, people are behind you. If you have a service-based company, number one, if you're not driving in the slow lane, you should be driving in the slow lane. So people come up behind you to read your tailgate wrap. You have to like educate these people on how to get the most exposure out of their digital advertising, their digitally printed advertising. Door logos and a tailgate wrap, tailgate wrap, right? Or a strip wrap. We call them strip wraps. And it's, if you're printing on 54 inch material, you print 26 inches tall. And it's a strip that runs from the tailgate all the way to the headlight. And it's a strip wrap. It's a strip of digital advertising. You sell the strip wrap for 1500 bucks. You upsell the tailgate wrap. Okay. It makes a massive visual impact. And you introduce them to vehicle wraps. That gets exposure. Their company grows. All of a sudden, you're doing bed wraps with a logo. All of a sudden, you're doing full wraps with a logo. Like people don't ever like have a stepped up game plan to upsell their clientele. Drives well, that's nuts. not that's not huge coverage there. But what you did do was cut out all the complicated parts. Yes. The install on that is beautiful, dude. No mirrors. 
you have to go around a handle or you That's put it true. below the handle. But nowadays you can take handles out so simply. It's not even yeah. funny. Like it's 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 simple. It is it is what it is. It is what it is. I do like that about the partials that if you're if you're clever with it, you can make it benefit you as well on the install side. Well, and material too, of course. But especially that material side or the install side, if you have tricky spots on the car, like keep that in mind and just design around it. Design around it. Yeah. <laughs> they want to save some money. This is how it's done. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's a, actually the nice thing about a wrap that we're going to be doing is like it's going to be the vehicle's white, but like the pass, the whole passenger side is red. The whole driver's side is yellow or vice versa. So there really, there's going to be a seam no matter what right in right down the middle across the whole car so you know it's like there's going to be an antenna there but it's not going to be a problem because they're going to there's going to be a seam in there no matter what so that's kind of it works out pretty good it's perfect it's beautiful when you can use the design in it too to your advantage and you can like you're saying you split it right down the middle well now a bunch of those parts they just got way easier than they were before Absolutely, dude. I I agree with you there, and it, like I think I think like strip wraps in our business, they were developed because I, we worry about every square inch. Like I hate waste. Like I I worry about my overhead. I worry about my cost of goods. I worry about all of that. And nowadays with what's going on in the world, you have to like if you don't, and you just like piss away four foot up front and four foot in the back and you don't care and you overprint and your bleeds too big. Like I don't like, I'm sorry, I'm not down with that. I've never been down with that. And that's where strip wraps were divulged from our company is 52 inches. You can print, you can print more than that. You can print 53, 53 and a half. You can print edge to edge if you want on 54, but I think there's a little too much risk there. And my job is to mitigate risk. So we print 52 inch. So that's two 26 inch strips that we run down, even if it's just on the bedside, the bedside plus door logos. So you're going 52 or 54 inches by eight foot, call it eight foot six. Cause you got to stretch around the back. Okay. You throw it, you put the door logos on there for another three foot of 52 inch or 54 inch. And then you upsell the bed, you upsell the bed as opposed to doing just a logo and a website and a phone number. No, you upsell a complete Oh, I'm sorry, the tailgate. You upsell the tailgate wrap. Your tailgate wrap's 250 all day. All day. All day. And well, if they used ups- to be uh, guaranteed easy money. Nowadays, some of those tailgates are getting crazy. <laughs> Listen. I've it's like a competition once. for them. Who can make I'll the hardest a- <laughs> tailgates a wrap? Yeah. I'll say it a hundred times. These fucking vehicle designers, the people that like design the actual vehicles, they hate us. Like, oh, I they, don't know about that. A lot of it's getting it. easier for us, but not Bro, everything. No, no. Something gets easier. Something gets ten times harder. That's how it rules. Like they hate us. They hate us. Hate us. Look at like a Tesla. That's like the easiest car of all time to wrap. Outside right. of unless the front bumper, there's the normal bumper stuff. You gotta, stuff, you gotta but... rip apart the. Uh, you gotta rip apart the mirrors and stuff. But like, just just rewind like 10, 15 years ago and look at cars that were coming out. There was shit in there that would take you forever to wrap. Everything's getting smoother and a little simpler. Everything's certainly getting easier to take apart. Like, remember door handles back in the day? Brutal to take. You didn't have enough education. 
We, there was not enough <laughs> education about disassembly back in the day. That's well, what it came down to. Dude, to be fair, install as well. When I think about really old wraps, well, I'm thinking about me trying to install them without knowing what I'm doing. What if I did some of those cars nowadays, you know? <laughs> Probably wouldn't be as, as challenging. Dude, I, got, I used to get eaten alive. I used to get eaten alive by installs. Like, I would come home so fucking mad. Like, so mad. Because all day, I'm sweating. I was frustrated. And I just literally getting kicked in the face. Minute after minute. It was like you're getting... It was like you set little goals for yourself. Like, all right, get to get to 10 o'clock. Get to 10 o'clock. All right. All right, we made it to 10. All right. Get to noon. Get to lunch. Let's get to lunch. Come on. And then you get to three o'clock and like from three to five, it just like blows by. It's like, all right, get to three, get to three, get to three, get to three. I still <laughs> got like a bunch of little memories from the first couple wraps <laughs> I did. I remember just mutilating the bumper panels on this uh, Scion Xbox toaster, <laughs> whatever that was. That was it was a TCXB. XB. Yeah. 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 Jeez. Yeah, that was the first couple I did, and the bumpers were not good. No, I remember that. Chunky, they're very, very chunky. They big, like hard corners and stuff. I just, I can, I still see it in my mind. That vinyl that's way overstretched. It's almost white. <laughs> no, <laughs> so geez. bad. So we made the transition around the time of the XB from uh, from solvent to latex, and yeah. solvent stretches a lot you could stretch a lot you could maybe twice as much as you can latex without it discoloring and dude it was like it was like learning how to install again like brand new like it was like yeah. learning the entire process over which is a good thing it, 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 because I'm relearning it now i'm relearning it now with zero stretch and with with what uh justin's doing on the rap institute like I think it's. I, I don't think it should be called zero stretch. I think it should be called less stretch or 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 minimal stretch. I like zero pull. Some, zero pull. Yeah, that that would make more sense. We're not trying to stretch it. Was, yeah, you know. But dude, that shit works. That shit works. Yeah. So I'm trying to relearn my installation process again using that because, the, like, as an installer, the goal is to reduce stress along the edges to zero or mm-hmm. as close to zero as you can. I mean, you could stretch as much as you want on a flat surface or on a corner. It doesn't matter. It you're, you're, you're trying to reduce that stretch to zero. I was going to say stress and stretch, but whatever, you know what I'm saying along the edge, but I don't know. It's like, like I said, I'm learning it again. I'm learning it again. And it's, and it's, I don't know. I'm just ever evolving. I just always want to be the fucking tip of the spear. That's how I was raised, man. Like, I don't know. And it works out for you because I know I was talking to Richie uh, from Arlon at the Sign Expo. Dude. And it's just like, great dude. Hey, the, the best way to learn is to teach, you know, and that's that's kind of what we're trying to do. So Richie Days uh, from Arlon, one of the first dude, he was, he was, uh, we went down. So the first training I ever did was for PDAA. And we went down to Miami. It was PDA master certification. And it was like back, back then, this was 15 years ago, there was one training per year and it was PDAA. There was no Avery training. There was no 3M training. There was none of that. Nothing. It did not exist. There was like, you get, there's no elite rappers. There's no Arlon, Oraful, nothing. It did not fucking exist. It was zero. And we went to this PDA training and Richie Days was there. And it was like me and my brother and, uh, and this dude that used to work for me, Kyle, um, we went down to take this training 
and Richie, there was a PT cruiser there. And anyone that has wrapped a PT cruiser knows that the taillights are really fucking hard. Like they're really hard there. There's two taillights. They're round. They're probably three inches round and they're stacked on top of each other. And it's, they come off of a really hard rear fender and the bumper is very odd underneath the taillights. And it's like, you got to do it right. And anyone can overstretch it and heat it and make it right, but it won't last. It just won't last. And this dude in front of the whole class did it right. And he put his money where his mouth is. I think we even challenged him because we're like talking shit because we had fucked it up so much. We're like, hey, like, let's see you do this. And Richie, that pretty motherfucker, he's got like this long hair and he's just a pretty dude. You know what I mean? I'm like, I'm going to eat this motherfucker alive. And I'll be damned if he did it exactly how he should have done it. We came back the next morning. It didn't pop up. And we pulled him aside and we're like, bro, like we busted your balls, man. But I have nothing but respect for you. And I've had a good relationship with him since that day, man. That was 15 <laughs> years ago. That's a good motherfucker, man. I like Richie Rott. Good dude. Yeah. Very good dude. But he, dude, he put his money where his mouth was. Because back in the day, you could say whatever you wanted to say. And we were just peon installers. Like we were, we were, there's, there wasn't the level of respect nowadays of, of rap competitions and all this other stuff. Like it wasn't, it wasn't like it was back in the day. So for us to challenge him, he could have been like, yo, like F off. Like it, it's going to work. Cause it's Arlon. Like, and we, we, we had no leg to stand on, but he actually put his money where his mouth was. And it was, it was cool to see dude. Cause we came back, we asked him to keep it overnight. We're like, let's, let's see what it looks like in the morning. Cause he did it really well. <laughs> we were still talking shit. <laughs> let's see, let's see that in the morning. And I'll be damned if it held. It was good. And actually we started doing it. We started using Arlon at that time for, uh, for, for box trucks. It was like black adhesive Arlon. I don't know if you guys remember that. And it was really aggressive. I remember really removing aggressive. it or attempting to. Ugh. I don't know if I ever installed it, though. It was price right. It was price right. I'll tell you that. All right. We're going on like an hour and a half now. Renato. You're the man. The OG. The O fucking me. G. Thank you guys. Founding listener. <laughs> the first guy that ever listened to the podcast. Yeah, that was. <laughs> you know, I'll be honest at, with you, us man. now. <laughs> What like one of the one of the one of the highlights of my year this year so far is 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 having you at the Avery Dennison training and like having you as like certifying you that was awesome meant a lot to me to have you at our at our shop at Vinyl Images and like I'm really good at not showing favoritism you know because I I know so many people in this industry and I and dude, I was I was probably harder on you than I I should have been. And you did an exemplary job. Like you did really well. You're a hell of an installer. You clearly have your shit together when it comes to management and being an entrepreneur. And it's it's just it's it's cool to see, man. And and I look I look forward to uh, continuing to have you on the show and and uh, and getting your input on stuff. I think I think I think we're uh, we're scratching the surface of what you can bring. Oh yeah, no, I, no, I appreciate that. Like I said, it means a lot coming from you. Like I said, I look up to you guys. Um, hopefully, I'll get to meet. Blake here in a little bit. A rap's gone, or oh, if very not, I'm going to see them. Blake Just told me he didn't like away. you. I was like, "Hey, we're going to have Renato on the show." And Blake's like, "Who? Fuck that dude!" Yeah. Like, no. Way. <laughs> Again, I don't know how these stories always get twisted. Like this. <laughs> <laughs> no, we like when we first started making a list of people that we wanted on the show. Like, you were one of the first ones. Like, one of the first ones. So we we appreciate the fuck out of you, man. We really do. We appreciate your support, and uh, it's just cool. 
It's cool. It's cool to see you develop, dude, and like seeing you at the shows. And when we were at, at ISA, <laughs> and I'm like hustling back to my hotel, and you're sitting, oh. you were with your friends, you know, and you guys were all dressed really dapper and nice. And I was, I was sitting fucking like sweat, sweated through t shirt. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, John, I'm oh. like, yeah, what's up, man? I'm like, oh, fuck. Like, I am underdressed, bro. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. No, that's definitely, I said, uh, like I was telling you, it's like my boss was. He was like, hey, we're going to get on a plane. You got to dress up. And I'm over here like, I'm usually wearing sweatpants and a hoodie. And he's like, no, you got to dress up for it. It's a business trip. I'm like, all right. Ooh, I kind of like that great. role. Yeah. If you're going I mean, on a business trip, you got to dress up. <laughs> I, I like I like jeans and flip-flops and a t-shirt, like personally. Like, I don't know. If I have to dress up, I will. I will. I will absolutely put a suit on. I will wear a tie. I will. I, 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 to be honest with you, I do like wearing, wearing suits. Like I, I, I really like dressing up like in a nice suit and like you look good, you feel good, you know, like it's like working out. Like Like you, if you're in shape, you like, you look good, you feel good. Like it's the same thing with, with, uh, with dressing up and, and it's like my, my wrestling coach used to say, is like you got to dress for success. So every tournament you got to dress up. That's right. So that's right. That's right. Wrestling. See, that's why we bond so much. I fucking love wrestlers. I love wrestlers. Like that is a different breed of person. And anyone I've ever met in the rap industry or the signage industry or PPF or window tinting that is a wrestler. Like I like, I got you, man. <laughs> like, I don't know what it is. Like it's wrestlers are like, I was at a ball game today with my kid, my, my five-year-old. And let's just say five-year-old baseball is a shit show. Like to say the least, like it is like the most disorganized group of people. It's just like a baseball diamond is just a big sandbox and they're like building sandcastles and like doing all this shit. Well, the coach that we were going against, he had cauliflower ear and I was like, that's my boy right there. (laughs) (laughs) Like like, that's my boy. I got this dude. I'm going to buy him a beer afterwards because he's dealing with the same shit we were. It was, it was cool. But bottom line, Renato, we appreciate you so much, man. We appreciate you so much. Um, you're gonna be at Rapscon, right? Yes, sir. Definitely have to come onto the show at Rapscon because we're gonna be going live from Rapscon. That's coming up in June. What is that? June second to I the fourth. Yeah, it's like Friday is when we're on. Yeah, the third. The third. Yeah, as soon as we're done recording, I'm hitting the road and coming back because my son's birthday is the fourth, and I there's nothing that will keep me from being in in town for my kids. So we're going to, I think we're recording live on the third. And when that happens, please make sure you're there and make sure that uh, you're smiling pretty and we'll send a picture to your boss. (laughs) (laughs) I'll try. I'll do my best, but no, I'll definitely be there. All right. Right on, right on Renato. I appreciate it. Blake, Blake, you did okay today too. Thank you. How how was my performance? Was it okay? I think so. It's Sunday. I mean, it sounded pretty normal. My audio Which is okay. good. I didn't. Audio sounds much. good. Right. I think everything went went well. Good. You got any final What did thoughts? you think, Renato? No, like I said, I was I was telling Blake I was super nervous about this. I was trying to get super prepared and everything, but I mean now that we're here, it's like you know pressure's off. It feels good. It just feels good to be here. You know, and do this with you. You overthink it. You overthink it, dude. That's the one thing about like having guests on the show. Like for real, anyone that ever comes onto the show. We, what did we do when we first got on the show? We're like, hey, here's a, here's a subject that we want to talk about. Ronaldo, what do you think about this? You have something that you want to talk about? 
And then we changed the we changed the headlining <laughs> subject literally last minute, like that, like it was it was something completely different than 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 what the show was about. And that's natural, so like natural flow is is what the show is about. And people like overthink stuff. And I have found Blake has found anyone that's been on the show has found that like, dude, you speak from your heart and to speak. And like, if you if you say something that's really dumb, <laughs> we can always edit it. <laughs> you know, we don't want to like, there's going to be no editing on this show at all, but that's, that's just how it is. And, and, you know, we find that the more, the more natural that you are, the, 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 the better that the show goes. And, and that's, that's how we roll, man. It is what it is. It could be, does it sound like shit sometimes? Yeah, it sure does. But you know what? Fuck it. Like we're having fun and, and, and we've gotten some really good feedback from everybody. Speaking of feedback, we love you calling into the podcast hotline. 314-596-2676. That's how Renato introduced himself to the show. And that's why Renato is a a staple in our uh in our in our industry right now. And and every time I think about good solid people that have always supported the show, I think about Renato. And that started with him calling into the podcast. It's the podcast hotline. 314-596-2676. Call in, leave us a message, ask us a question. Talk shit to us. Tell us we're doing good. Tell Blake he's dumb. Tell me I'm dumb. Tell Renato he's dumb. Uh, let's hear some of those podcasts. <laughs> let's see. Let's hear some of those messages. You can also text in as well. It's three one four five nine six two six seven six. As always, please share the show on your social media. If you picked up a nugget, if you learned something, we ask that you share the show on your social media. We will in turn share it on our social media. Speaking of social media, Renato. Where do people find you? How do they follow you? Where are you? Oof. Uh, mainly Instagram, to be honest. Um, I would price. I don't even know what my handle is. I want to say it's uh, Renato dot underscore dot Pinto. Um, Renato dot underscore dot Pinto. We'll, we'll, you know what we're going to do? We're going to put it in the show notes. <laughs> okay. Yes. That's please. Because that's Blake's, Blake's, my, Blake's laughing his out. He's about to piss himself <laughs> <laughs> he's looking he's looking you up uh, we'll just look right now yeah <laughs> yeah you oh, nailed yeah, it a- renato no no sorry you didn't renato <laughs> dot underscore dot pinto yeah that's what he said yeah oh was yeah. it oh i'm sorry <laughs> yeah. you yeah. nailed it Come then on, he's, he's not even paying attention anymore he's like i'm <laughs> over it's an hour and a half <laughs> no real talk renato dude I respect you so much. You're my boy. I, I see you working out. I see you doing CrossFit. I see you in shape. Like I like being like, I think the physical aspect of life is, is very difficult and I struggle with it a lot. And I go through these peaks and these valleys and like since day one, since I, I started following you and started knowing who you are, like you've always been a pinnacle, man. Like you've always been a fucking badass motherfucker. And it's, I'm motivated by people that look better than me. You know what I mean? And I'm, I love it. And I really appreciate what you do. And I appreciate what you're doing for the industry and and like real talk. Like this is a lifelong bond, a lifelong bond that will, will continue. And I real talk. I appreciate you, brother. Yeah, for sure, man. I appreciate that. I said, we'll, we'll get you, we'll get you, you in want, better shape. You know, <laughs> bring it. You ever want to do takedowns? Let's go, baby. Oh, okay. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm not opposed to it. As long as Blake jumps in too. We'll, we'll get it figured well, out. Blake's lanky fucking ass. Come on. We'll tear his yeah. ass up. I, I'll, I'll just uh, referee. <laughs> Supervise. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much. Don't forget the podcast hotline. 314-596-2676. Do not forget 
If you want to listen to the show or you want to share the show, share the website. It is www.rapiq.com. Give us some love. Leave a review on Spotify or iTunes, or you can actually just go through the website and leave a review there as well. We appreciate you. Much love. How do I end the show? Get after it today. No, there's I'm missing a line. Much love. Get after it today. We'll talk to you soon. Oh, there it is. Much love. Get after it <laughs> today. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. See you. Guys, thanks again for listening to the episode. We really appreciate you guys so much. I want to give a final shout out to our sponsors. Avery Dennison, always a great sponsor, very loyal to the show, and Rap Glove, and specifically the Rap Glove Ghost. We do this podcast not for you guys, but with you guys. So we want you to participate. If you have any questions, any feedback or topics, give us a call on the voicemail line. It's 314-596-2676. Finally, guys, if you get value from these episodes, Please, 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 please follow the podcast on Instagram. It's at the Rap IQ Podcast. Leave us a review on iTunes. Follow us on iTunes. Most importantly, share the podcast on your social media. You guys share it on your social media. We'll in turn share it on our social media, get you guys some publicity as well. You scratch our back, we'll scratch yours. Again, guys, thank you so much. We appreciate you. We'll talk to you soon.